Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about the difference between sin management and real transformation. And uh, what's the difference between the two, and how do we move toward transformation and away from sin management? Awesome. Love so it. that'll be our conversation today. And uh, before that, it's Joker Story Time. And um, John, do you want to? Uh, update everybody from the last episode of your dilemma with gun purchase no i do not and, all right uh, well then i'll tell a joke and uh <laughs> we'll move we'll move on with uh joke time so i you know we're like on a talk show it's like i told you we weren't going to talk about that maury <laughs> <laughs> well you know you have to poke the bear every once in a yeah. while all right so uh we had talked about how many stories we've told it's hard to believe 54 is this episode 55 is that what this is uh yeah 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 so episode 55 and that means we've done 54 so we've told 27 stories each i did tell one joke you told one really bad joke i think we might have told more than one each but i don't i honestly don't remember so but but a lot of a lot of them yeah so i have a joke um just kind of a change of pace from all the storytelling so these uh three young uh college kind of guys are sitting in a bar together laughing and cutting up and you know they're talking like they're just the smartest guys ever and there's this old man two bar stools over who's just drinking by himself and listening to them and they start having a debate about what's the greatest invention of mankind and um, one of the guys the young guys says um, I think it's communication I mean right now you can talk to anybody anywhere in the world in real time um, I think it's communication. Another guy said, oh, no, it's definitely um, broadcasting. You know, you can show live video, from live images from anywhere in the world, and they travel at this crazy speed, and bam, mm-hmm. I get to watch them anywhere in the world. That's what it is. Third guy says, no, I think it's space travel. I think, you know, man, we are able to – I can have breakfast in Denver, lunch in Seoul, Korea, and dinner in Africa. You know, it's just amazing what we can do terms of travel and then we're going to the moon and space travel and i think it's got to be travel well the old man has been listening to this two bar stools down he says you young guys don't know squat (laughs) (laughs) and they go okay old man what's the greatest invention of mankind he said it's so simple it's the thermos keeps hot things hot cold things cold how does it know (laughs) (laughs) That's the whole joke? That's the whole joke. I like it. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll tell one more joke. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, feel free. I gotta t- but... I'm going to tell another joke because that okay. was a short joke. And it I like made that me, one. When I started telling this one, it actually made me think of the second one I'm going to tell. So these uh, these four guys, they meet each other in preschool, and they stay in the same town, going to all the same schools together. They're just best friends, running buddies, and uh, go all the way through high school together. Well, downtown in their little town was always this old Indian who sat on a bench downtown. I actually remember this one. But. And, yeah. <laughs> and they said, you know, the legend was that that Indian never forgot anything. Like his memory was impeccable. And you could ask him anything from any day of any time of his life, and he could tell you the answer. And so um, they had always had fun with that Indian guy. and. Well, they graduate high school, go through their summer, and then they scatter. And one of them goes in the military, and the others go away to college and stuff, whatever. Well, the military guy comes back on leave, and he decides to go downtown and see if there's any, any buddies are hanging around or if he can find anybody. And sure enough, there's that Indian guy still sitting on the bench. So he says, hey, chief, what did you have for breakfast on January 12th, 1979? And the chief thought for a minute. He said, eggs, bacon, toast, and juice. Wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. <laughs> well, he goes off to uh, back to the service, and he comes back on another leave. Goes downtown looking to see if anybody's there, and there's that old engine again. And so as he walks by, he just kind of 
graciously says, how? And the chief said, scrambled. (laughs) Fun anecdotal story. I heard that joke from you when I was, I don't know how old I was, but I didn't know that uh, how was a traditional or stereotypical Native American thing. And so I thought the guy was like trying to keep the Indian on his toes and saying, you know, how. Oh, yeah. And he just, he had it locked and loaded. And then it didn't occur to me until <laughs> real, probably like a year or two ago, where I was like, "Oh, the joke was right. how." You know. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I can talk about Native Americans because I are one, so I'm not picking on. Uh, it's not. It's not uh, racism, John. When you're talking about your own people, you aren't going to get any flag for me. Well, I, I always do. You, you, you. Well, not about not about Native Americans. You start uh, talking about you know other <laughs> risky stuff and without the rights. Well, okay. Well, I'm just I'm just having fun. I, I love all people. Just for the record, I love all folks. All Let the people. record show. Let the record show. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Mm-hmm. Even though that song probably isn't even really PC anymore. <laughs> Who knows? Okay. Uh, uh, so this one, some ideas are my brain, baby. Some ideas are yours. This one was yours, so so bring us into uh, bring us into the conversation. Yeah, so John, let me just ask you directly: What's the difference between sin management and transformation? Um, sin management is, uh, I guess, is trying to force yourself to behave a certain way, and transformation is to become a different thing. So instead of um, I don't know, like like if you have a piece of metal and you're trying to like bend it into a certain shape, that would be sin management. And it's, if you smelt it down and turn it into a different shape, mm. into a tool, that is transformation for like j- just an off the cuff analogy. Yeah. So um, what that what that reveals about your thinking is that um, equating those, and I'm not arguing with this because I think that's that's kind of the answer I would expect, and uh, might even give on my own. What it does is seems to indicate that if you still struggle with sin temptations, then transformation has not occurred because you're still having to control your urges. So, uh, so let me let me get you to feed back to this idea: is a is a transformed Christian one who rules over their urges more effectively and organically, or are they a person who don't who don't have that battle anymore? Uh, I think it's probably case by case. I know uh, some people have experienced deliverance from certain sin habits or sin um, um, addictions, and and that is definitely a uh, a divine. They they do not struggle with that anymore. Uh, and I would I would probably say that's kind of rare. Uh, I, obviously, there's no numbers on that. There's no um, data aggregate for that kind of information, but. Um, but normally, no, I would say transformed people still yeah. have maybe I would say less temptations just by merit of, of living that kind of focused life. I don't know. What do you think about that, about ha- experiencing less urges in general? Well, I think that's interesting. And I think that's what most of us long for is to have these uh, great sin challenges squelched so much that we kind of effortlessly overcome them. They might fly through our brain for a second, but they never take root because we've changed the way we think. I think a lot of addicts just switch their addictions, and that's what a lot of us do Hmm. when we overcome something. We just replace a bad habit with a good one, and then we get really good at the good habit, and that's how we stay out of trouble. That doesn't sound so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that... um, I would I would accept uh, great sin management. You know, I, I I'm not a, I'm not against that. I think that's a that's a worthy accomplishment. Hmm. But I think some people still feel guilty for the fact that they have these temptations and they have in their minds that if I were really a good Christian, I wouldn't be tempted anymore. I don't know. I'll speak for myself. I don't feel guilty for temptation. That's not the that's not the the beating your head against the wall part. It's the, you must have had exceptional parenting. I, <laughs> I must have. That is not to say that I that I don't sin or feel bad about the sin. That's the guilt. Right. I just right. don't feel. I don't know. I don't feel guilty for being tempted because that's a that's original sin, baby. 
Yeah. That's uh, you know, that's yeah. as 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 old school as it gets. Um to me the the burnout it is so exhausting the the sin management idea. Yeah. And that's why I think I like the transformation idea that it becomes in a very literal sense easier uh, yes. than before you were transformed. Yeah, I would agree with that. So let me ask you this and then we'll get down into the nuts and bolts of what is sin management versus what is real transformation and how do we move toward said transformation? So let me ask you, John, if you're two parts, one part sin management and one part transformed, what are the ratios of those parts? Me personally? Yeah. Are you are you 70% transformed and 30% sin management? Are you 30% transformation and 70% sin management? Where would you put that percentage this is a really totally anecdotal question, and there's no way to know. I'm just going for where your brain is sitting right now. I don't How, think I have an ounce of the self awareness required to to do those, <laughs> that math. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I think when you're transformed, it is so gradual, and it, it's such an it's such an identity thing. You are. Um, it's not that uh, like it doesn't feel foreign when you're changed. It feels like it's you because it's the new you. So anything. Yeah that is new about me or transformed about me, I think is is harder to um, identify when it's not years down the road. And you look backwards and say, oh, wow, where I was five years ago is much different than where I am now. Right. But, but in the going by year to year or month to month, it's very, very difficult. Yeah, it's the frog in the kettle and the water temperature's changing. Right. <laughs> right. I think... Uh, but in, a, I, in a more positive way. In a positive way. I think I can say, John, on behalf of you that I've watched you in your adult life, and in particular, you had a stretch of time where you said, I want to get serious about uh, time in the Scriptures and uh, reflecting on the Scriptures and, and kind of letting God change me. And I saw real transformation occurring in you through that process. Well, I've, I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. So how do you think transformation occurs? Like if somebody says to you, John, I'm really getting tired of sin management. I'd really like to be a different person. Uh, what's your advice to them? Man. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like what what I've kind of landed on is, um, is sin management requires keeping score. Mm. Um, and, and keeping score, I think, in this specific context is not helpful. Uh, because it is so, it makes what is already exhausting more exhausting. Man, John, and, you you always amaze me with your answers because I don't see them coming, and that's not an answer I saw coming or even crossed my mind. But it is, it is brilliant. Finish your thought because a scripture pops in my head as you said that. Sure. Well, well, just the uh, the shame that comes with keeping score um, puts a wall between you and God, which is the only, which is what stops you from transformation. So it's this, it's this uh, snowballing synergy. Of of really, uh, you could call it the uh, you know spirits interfering with it, or you could just call it fallen man. Either way, it's 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 a consequence of sin that puts distance between you and God, um, and and that that is a hurdle. So uh, keeping score is is inherently wrong, and it's it's hard because every time there's a to me it seems like every time there's a message of grace in the New Testament specifically, it's followed by a message of. And those who do this, this, and this, and this cannot be in the kingdom. It's right, like it's like right. uh, you are forgiven, but also stop doing the bad things. <laughs> and so, so it's it's the Bible constantly reminds you of it too that that righteousness is um, is really something to fight for. Yeah. So there, it's it's it feels very tricky. You know, um, I think inherently scorekeeping is a loser's game because if you keep score and you're really self aware, you will suck more than you'll win. And it's a beat down on your uh, optimism and hope. Totally. Or if you're not self-aware and you think you're actually scoring well, you're just stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Then you have a false arrogance in your relationship with God and you think you're really a gift to God's kingdom. And boy, wouldn't (laughs) it be great if everybody was like me? Yeah. You could become pharisaical, an accidental Pharisee. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so uh, there's a passage of Scripture where Paul says, I don't judge myself. He said, I don't compare myself to you, and I don't even compare myself to myself, and I don't even judge myself ever, and I'll let God judge me at the end. It's like he totally vacated the judgment game and never entered that zone again, which is incredible given the fact that he was a Pharisee 
and that judging and measuring and law-abiding was his entire life. Yeah, that's incredible. And it's really that that genius insight you're talking about of, man, uh, scorekeeping is a loser's effort. You cannot win that game. And, and I, true freedom is I don't need to keep score because Jesus isn't keeping score anymore. Right. I think for, I, for me in particular, I feel this um, – it's like I this rubber banding effect where I get pretty far into the – um, the comfort of grace, and then and then the rubber band snaps. Where it's like it's like, well, well, how dare you? You know, like like you need to feel guilty about this stuff. You need right. to feel shame about this stuff. And I'm right in the middle of that. So I'm, that's not even a uh, oh, back when I felt shame. It's I'm still you know, I'm still. So you in the do of you do battle shame periodically? Oh my goodness, yeah. And I can say that um, truly, shame is a, an extremely rare thing for me. It doesn't. Really? It doesn't never happen. But sometimes I feel bad, like maybe I'm supposed to feel shame right now. <laughs> right, that's the, I feel that way when I'm when I'm coasting in this like high of of grace. Yeah, like, well, yeah. I should I should probably be you know flagellating myself right. or something. <laughs> well, let's talk about how do we move toward transformation instead of sin management. And well, we go ahead. Uh, just just for you personally, part of this conversation is you you know, are a different man than you used to be. Yeah. And you used to feel shame, if I understand correctly. Oh, man, I was imprisoned to shame. Yeah, and now you're now you're not. So could you, right. I mean, if this is part of what you were going to say already, go for it. But, but how well, did that it, happen? It wasn't, but that is part of transformation is being totally free from your shame is a mm-hmm. transformational reality. Uh, the way it happened, and I've talked about this at church before, I've talked about it at some men's events, but it's the renaming of myself. It's the Jacob wrestling with God. And I had battled so much shame of just the core sense of myself. I'm in my you know mid-30s at this point and experiencing profound battles with sin management, success, and failure, and uh, being just ashamed as a core sense of self. And over this long journey of being sick of that and um, not ever wanting to give up on Christianity, but certainly feeling disqualified from anything close to ministry because sure. if people knew who I really was, they would never want me to be their pastor. And uh, I had a I had a profound, long wrestling match with God, where like Jacob in that thing, you know, I said, "I'm not letting you go till you bless me," and He started asking me those those questions. What's your name? And I realized I had embraced a name for myself which was perverted coward and that I believed that's who I was and that's who I was ashamed of. Mm. And I, I, that was a long process to understand that name I'd embraced, but it was by following the trail of my history uh, all the way from childhood. And there were these two threads of pattern through my past and through the way, you know, that I saw myself through the experiences I had through the way people treated me, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and the Lord said, you are not that. And he gave me a new name. And the new name was pneumatic servant leader. Uh, pneumatic is like hmm. a windblown tool, a pneumatic yeah. drill. And that, that I was going to be spirit-empowered servant leader. And that was a transformational deal. And from that point on, when I really understood the grace of God, that I am not who I was, and he doesn't see me as who I was, and so I'm actually, it actually becomes a form of idolatry to keep seeing yourself as the old person rather than seeing yourself the way Jesus does. People say, you know, I can see where God could forgive your sin, but I can't see where right. God could forgive my sin. Well, that means your your sin is kryptonite to Jesus. Like your your sin is so powerful, even God can't forgive it. You know, who do, who do you think you are? It's yeah. It's really idolatry. Yeah, I think um, as far as I, I haven't seen an exception to this where where shame is always one to one with with pride. Like you're saying is I'm I should be better than that. So the fact that I'm not is I'm ashamed. Yeah. And uh, and there's this line in um, the Book of Mormon, the musical. Lindsay was listening to a song from it the other day and it, I w- couldn't stop laughing. Uh, I forget the context, but some character says he's going to be such a good missionary for for God that he's going to blow God's freaking mind. As he <laughs> says in the, in the song, I could I was laughing so hard. Anyway, That's awesome. Yeah, but the but the hubris about it. Yeah. Um. So on the the uh, sin management 
topic. So you went from uh, shame to no shame. Was that accompanied with an easier sin management battle or no? Yeah, it, it was. It wasn't with the absence of a sin battle, but it certainly was a posture of strength and freedom, which mm. totally changes. You know, when you're sin managing, it's like being on a diet. You're like, I can't yeah. have ice cream. I can't have ice cream. I can't have ice cream. I can't have ice cream. <laughs> and you're staring at the ice cream. And you're time. just obsessed with what you can't have. And then yeah. as you as you experience transformation, you get fixated on who you what you can have, which is freedom in Christ and peace and joy and forgiveness and grace. And when you realize how Man. radical the grace of God is, yeah. it really changes your whole focus. Well, when you're not staring at ice cream all the time, it's really easier not to eat a lot of ice cream. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> That's awesome. So when I thought of uh, uh, transformation versus sin management, my mind went to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Mm. Um, oh, not, yeah, 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 yeah. And you memorized this for a while, didn't you? Well, Romans 8 is what I'm trying to memorize, but gotcha. it's really hard. But uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, uh, uh, therefore, uh, it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. So there's the word we've been talking about. Yeah. And it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the idea is that if you offer your whole life to God, and then you, you experience transformation in this very real way, and it's the renewing of your mind. And the word renewing there is the word renovation or remodel. So it's a lot like the idea of ripping out a wall and building a new wall or opening up the living space, you know. <clears throat> and so you have to tear out some thinking patterns and tear out these the way your mind has operated and be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the re the renovation of the way you think. For sure. And that renovation takes place through primarily the scriptures of letting God's word not you don't just read it, but you let it read you and change the way you think. Second Corinthians ten, five and six, you know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And then it says, taking every thought captive and forcing it to be obedient to Christ. So this is really hard work at first because it's not the way we normally think. Mm -hmm. But as you develop the habits of changing the way you think, if you can change the way you think, you actually change the way you behave and the way you feel. And one of the frustrations for me and part of the whole sin management thing is you have these uh, micro seasons of success. Yeah. And then and then you feel like, well, I lost progress and uh and it feels like it feels more and more hopeless the more that goes on cuz you think I have I'm not making any progress and I will never will. It starts to feel it starts to feel impossible. Yeah. Um did you have any moments after your wrestling where you fell back into the old mindset and had to fight your way back or how did that yeah, How sometimes it feels like two steps forward and three steps back. Right. And you wonder, when am I going to ever stop having this battle? Yeah. <clears throat> when will I get on top of this? And so I do think that it is about uh, consistency and transformation. So I, I think what we're going to find, uh, there's a, th a few scriptures I've written down for us to look at. And I think what we'll find is some principles that move us toward transformation. And by the way, that Romans 12 transformation word is the metamorpho. Mm -hmm. which we're talking about moving from a caterpillar to a butterfly, like right. the new self bears very little resemblance to the old self. And it's the same guts, the same, you know, heart organs, you know, whatever, but the appearance looks totally different and it can fly now, you know, it couldn't fly before now it can fly. And, and so I think that's what God is looking for, for us is what he's offering to us is that kind of radical different person. Yeah. And and just being legalistic or sin management is not going to get you there, I don't think. And uh, on Wednesdays, you've been talking a lot about um, the power of of faith, specifically in prayer in this one. Um, yeah. On the the um, pray for it and know that it is as you ask, that it is, you know, the answer is yes. And, yeah. then, and then move on and keep going. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think. That loss of faith when you lose when you lose hope in that kind of cycle that just exhausting cycle, um, it just doesn't help. So I I think the 
I don't know, keeping your eye, like you said, make every thought captive to, to Christ. And even the, I forget what passage this one is, but the, um, um, you know, whatever is, is blank, blank, blank. Think of these, whatever's, you know, righteous, holy, oh, right, right. perfect. Um, remembering that these are actually possible and the transformation is that dramatic. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, so, I, I get discouraged easily about that kind of stuff, forgetting yeah. about the actual possibilities yeah. of, trans- of that. Well, and if you're not, if you're not, um, if you're not renewing your mind really consistently, it's like your mm-hmm. mind's a rubber band. It just snaps back to the old patterns and, uh, it's a lot of work, but, but you can, I think hit that tipping point where now it's rare for those things to own you anymore. And sure. you actually, you actually think differently. I was thinking, you know, that, that renewing the mind thing is, uh, that is principle number one is you have to control your thoughts hmm. because as you as a man, the scripture says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, that's who he is. And so the power of your thoughts, of your mind, our biggest enemy is not the devil, it's ourselves. And the biggest battlefield is our mind. And so to move from sin management to real transformation, we have to win the battle of the mind. Yeah. But I, that's, it's just, it, it is powerful. It's just so challenging. <laughs> yeah. I have found this new practice I'm having currently, you know, in the COVID world hmm. where there's a little more anxiety, a little more discouragement, a little more sure. uh, lack of control. There's a little more, you know, just ambiguity. And, um, you know, it's that whole VUCA world in the military. It's highly volatile, very uncertain. Uh, very complicated and very ambiguous. And when you're in that kind of environment, it's really, you have to navigate differently. And so in that environment, I'm realizing how much more important it is not just to think good thoughts and control your thoughts, but it's also important to experience the peace of God. So uh, I've been caught up lately on the word shalom. Um, we, we translate it peace and may the peace of God be with you. Mm-hmm. But when you think about the word shalom and you study that word, it's like this overall uh, uh, wholeness and sense of self that is at rest. And uh, so I've been using the word shalom as I talk to God. God, I just want to experience your shalom and I want to enter into the shalom of God. Right now I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling a little bit afraid. And uh, it's interesting how my emotions and my even my body my heart rate my breathing patterns they all respond to this meditation on the shalom of god and that i don't have to beg for it it's a gift that he gives us and i can just operate in it that's awesome uh, another another big principle is the holy spirit so in first samuel 10 when saul is told he's going to become the king but it's not time yet for him to be the king mm-hmm um, Samuel tells him, on your way home from looking for those lost donkeys, you're going to come to this place where these prophets are prophesying. And when you get there, this is what he says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you will become a different person. And so there is a reality here as well, the giving of the Spirit of God, where truly uh, Colossians or Galatians 2.20 can, can actually be possible. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. Yeah. And this life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this, this reality, there's a, the Holy Spirit really is in you, and you can be a different person because of that. And I think the message here... Um, regardless of where we go with this, the message here is is hopeful. Um, I, oh I think. man, for sure. Yeah, but I'm curious in a situation like Saul or like I mean, we see this all the time with um, modern day examples where uh, he really was transformed by the Spirit into a new creation, mm-hmm. and he died a paranoid, selfish, evil man. Yeah. How? What happens there? You never lose the ability to take the controls of your life back and navigate Mm -hmm. with your own flesh and your mind ruling over God's spirit and his word. This is the miracle that God gives us is freedom. And so if you want to worship yourself, he will let you. And if you want to navigate with your own thinking, he will let you. And if you want to worship yourself instead of God, he will let you. And Saul had a terrible fear of man. He was constantly fear of being rejected. He had a low self-esteem. He thought terribly of himself. 
and then he was constantly fearful that someone was going to take his kingdom from him or because of that low self-esteem yeah people weren't going to you know when when it was time he had been told this and the holy spirit came on and he became a different person then when it's time to make him king he's over there hiding in the luggage because he because he's terrified (laughs) and they have to go find him to anoint him as king he just had this sense that he didn't deserve what god was giving him and a lot of psychologists talk about how people self-sabotage when they when they start to have a life they don't think they actually deserve they will subconsciously blow it up because it's too much pressure to have this life i don't deserve man we are complicated weird beings aren't we yeah no kidding (laughs) <laughs> that's messed up yeah it is and it's it's so easy uh to live there yeah so here's where in romans 8 is where um renewing the mind and the holy spirit come they dovetail into one reality where he says that life um that the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace and the mind controlled by the flesh is death and the mind controlled by the flesh can't please God. It, it, it's unable to do so. But the mind controlled by the spirit is joy, peace, and freedom. So this is where the mind and the Holy Spirit come together. And we have to learn this new habit of setting our mind on things above, not things below. Yeah. Setting our mind on the things of God and giving, making room in our mind for the Holy Spirit to operate in our mind. I know you don't play an instrument. Have you ever... Uh thought of playing an instrument or or thought i'm going to draw a picture or something that you seemed would be you you that seems easy and you go to do it and you immediately find out you're way out of your depth and you're discouraged and and it's 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 too much has that ever happened to you oh my goodness yes i have i i can't play the radio john and i would love to play music in particular i've always wanted to be able to sit down and just play music by myself so the guitar or the piano are the most logical choices but what I really want to do is play the drums. And that's easy, um, I think. Oh, I can't do it. You got to do three things at once. Four. The foot, four. You need one on the, one on the hi hat, too. Oh, so both for feet, the, both yeah. feet, both hands. That's why I think drummers are inherently mentally ill because they can, <laughs> they can do that. A normal person can't do that. <laughs> yeah. My point is stuff with the spirit right now to me feels a little bit like that. It feels like, like a that. very uh, um, high-skilled instrument. Mm. And uh, and I'm like, it happens to me with guitar and bass all the time, where it's like, oh, I'll, I'll look up the song. I'm sure I can play the song. And I look it up. Like with guitar, you know the Blue Shadows right. on the trail from right. uh, Three Amigos? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I can play that. Blue and it's like all these chords shadows. that, I, like, my hands have never made this shape before. Right. And it's just, it feels like that with the spirit. With, with things, when you say... Um, put your mind to things of the spirit, not of the, you know the things of. Or what, right. what was the, what the wordage? Was that was that about right? Yeah, yeah. With the nuance there, it feels like I'm jumping in the deep end. Uh, it's it's harder for me. I because to me the idea of thinking of things that are righteous and good that's that's oh. easy. Right, See, I don't simple. look at that way because that's kind of like thinking about theology or thinking about right. Well, that's that verse to me makes more sense. Like yeah. I know how to do that. Where the yeah. the things of the spirit, what is that? What does that mean in a tangible way to you? Well, to me, that's like a, a great example would be, um, uh, and this happens to me a lot. Where holy cow, the breadth of responsibilities in front of me, I'm overwhelmed. Mm. Uh, there's no way I'm going to accomplish. I I don't have what it takes to lead where I've got to lead. Um, I can't solve this problem. It's a complicated problem. And I start, you know, you start spinning. You, you, yeah. And um, and then I set my mind on the spirit, not on the flesh, because that's a flesh deal. Like, uh, man, I might not actually have the skill to do this, and I might really be in out of you know over my head. And then to set my mind on the spirit is, hey God, you put me here. You are the you are the strength of my life. You are the God who gives peace and wisdom and revelation. You're the God who said you'd be my helper. And would give me actually secrets from God that help me navigate one step at a time. So that's to me setting my mind on the spirit in a very real way is I don't have to freak out here because I have a partner with me who's divine, who's supernatural, who can give me, who can tell me secrets. Who For can, sure. You know, with this uh, this COVID world, this is a great example because um, as the governor keeps changing the rules and now, you know, it might be, John, before we, you know, by the time we can open up evergreens auditorium and let 900 people get in the same room it may be summer of 21 before we get to do that no way 
oh, I, I'm telling you, it's crazy. And now they want you to, you know, if you go into a restaurant, you have to give your contact information yeah. and social tracing and all this crap. And I'm telling you, I'm getting so, I got so hijacked by all of that that I was like, uh, this is crazy. You know, I'm putting on the tinfoil hat. There's, this is, this is a, <laughs> this is a conspiracy and it's going to, yeah. you know, blah, 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 blah. And, um, I was, I, I stopped and I said, Lord, in this crazy season, are we supposed to operate by principles or by prayer? Am I supposed to operate by wisdom or by revelation from God? And the answer I sensed from him was both. Hmm. You know, principles guide us and we have wisdom. And right now we need revelation from God. We need really for God to say, hey, here's the way, walk that way. Turn right at the next street. Yeah. Uh, you know sock that money away or pay off that thing or pause right now. You know, we need ongoing real-time revelation from God. And that's the beauty is he wants to give it to you. Yeah. The, um, the living God aspect of our, um, our faith is, is surprisingly, uh, unique even among other, other faiths. The idea that, uh, um, the idea of the spirit in, in a general sense is, is so, um, unique to our faith in that uh it makes the the word dynamic it makes uh the possibilities are are almost endless we have walls on you know if a guy wrote a new book to the bible we'd say no you know right, right. you can't get you go doing that but but uh being the him being the advocate and and being there at all times is really i know i, I was going to speak for myself but i'll say i know he's underutilized and mm-hmm. you know worldwide uh, yeah, and most yeah. religions, the whole goal is to stop making God mad. Mm. You you don't really have the notion that God wants to be with you and be your friend and talk to you and give you real-time guidance. Right. You know, the idea of a relationship with God, to talk to God like a man talks to his friend, you know, most religions don't even conceive of that idea. But Christianity says this is what God is offering to you. And I love the phrase in the scripture that says we are participants in the divine nature. We actually get to participate in the divine nature of God. That's an incredible thing. Yeah, even though there, I've definitely had times where I'm like, can you just, uh, like, I don't want the freedom anymore. Can you just, like, <laughs> push the right buttons and make me do whatever? Yeah. But uh, but it is it is the better the better way. It's more powerful, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Boop, boop, boop. It's time, John, for uh, the new segment of our show which is show and tell. After the show and tell, we'll do our little commercial, and then I've got one last passage of Scripture and a block of thought for us to play with. But right now, show and tell. What do you got for us, John? Sweet. Okay, so, and again, I'll explain this. You can't see it yet, and then I'll show you, and you'll judge how well I did. Okay, and then we'll put pictures of it on our blog so people can see our show and tell items by going to our website. Uh, Okay, so this is a uh, bolo tie that I bought at a thrift shop downtown Olympia. Okay, now bolo tie. You already gave it. My imagination's full. I don't need you to describe anything else. I got a bolo tie in my mind right now. Well, it's not like it's not charade. Isn't there only one kind of bolo? Well, I mean, isn't there only one kind of bolo tie? Is there a wide variety of bolo ties? Yes, really. The the emblem on the tie and and the 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 uh, size of that thing, the weights on the end that hold the the cords together. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all kinds of stuff. All right, let us have it. Okay, so this is a bolo tie. A bolo tie. Uh, I wonder where the is, word bolo came from. What is that about? I think it's um, I, like, do you know, what are those called? I guess I thought they were called bolos as well, but it's like a rope with two weights on the end and you like swing it and throw it at people's legs and it wraps around their legs. So they can't, oh. so like if they're running away, it like trips them up. I think that's called a bolo as well. Don't bolo, the cops maybe. also say, let's put out a bolo? I don't know. Maybe that's a, I mean, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, you got anyway. a bolo tie and, uh, the cord is a, uh, a, uh, uh, Three, some strands of leather that are, are braided Ooh, together. That's um, nice. Yeah. What color? Uh, dark. Okay. Uh, uh, Not dark, black. Dark brown. Okay. Uh, close to close to black. Okay. Um, and then at the end, the weights are these really cool, long, uh, conical pieces of metal with rings, and it, they thin out towards the end, kind of like the end of your shoelace. But imagine them metal and thinning out, and pretty hefty. Oh. Uh, and with these braided leather, can you still slide the bolo up and down? 
Yeah, it seems like it'd be hard to slide over braids. It and it it kind of like it chafes on them. I get a little nervous because I don't know how old this thing is. Oh, uh, I've I haven't actually have yet to wear it. I have a I have an outfit idea in mind that is all <laughs> denim with this bolo tie, uh, jeans, brown shoes. I shirt, cannot wait to see you in this. You're gonna have to do this now, and we'll take a picture. <laughs> And put that on the website as well, because I'd love to see you yeah. in this bolo tie. Are you going to wear a cowboy hat with it? No, I don't have one. But I was going to wear it to my buddy's wedding this weekend. And and, uh, and, and then uh, he prescribed a certain tie. I didn't even ask. He said, you know, I'm, I'm wearing the I'm wearing what he's having for the rest of his groomsmen. <laughs> you so. can't steal the show, John. You can't no, out. I know. It's not about me. Yeah, that's right. Uh, anyway, so the emblem is yeah. a... Uh, uh, it looks like stained glass, but it's it has a Ooh. hard back. It's not transparent. And it is an owl. What? Yeah, yeah big, out of glass, glass laid like no. It, it has that look to it, like the way it's made of, like kind of, um, you know, parts like like a pixelated kind right, of right, right, right. Uh, but not. I don't think it's it's definitely not glass. It's also on a piece of metal on the back, uh, so it's it's got its own kind of heft to it, uh, and it's got these um, um not opal. Uh, it's like a like a turquoise. It's got a turquoise oh, yeah. uh, stone for the crown of the head, the wings, and the feet. Okay. And then the body and the eyes and the tail are all a burnt orange kind of color. And it's like a wow. glassy looking thing. And then the very bottom of it on what would be the branch it's it's on and its eyes are all a uh, a bronzish gold color. I think it's described in the book of Daniel in the Bible. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> Talk about have participating in the will does of that, God. Yeah, does it have clay yeah. feet? Uh nope. Okay. Nope. And, and so yeah, and so uh what what material is the actual bird? I honestly don't know. Maybe you can tell me when you actually see it, but it's held together by metal, and uh, and it's and is it the size of a silver dollar? Is it bigger than that? How it's what's about the, the size, size of your thumb? Oh, it's small. Yeah, yeah. From 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 head to branch, from head to the end of the tail, it's about the size of my thumb at least. You got big hands. Yeah, so it's a little bigger than that, I guess. Yeah, Trump would love you. You got big hands. <laughs> I'd be his favorite. <laughs> All okay. right, let me see it in the zoom here. Hold that up. Oh, see, I I would not have done a I did I didn't do that well in my imagination, but well, maybe, I I mean that's and, on me more than you probably. And you found this at a thrift store. Yeah, that's that's quite a find. Pretty slick. Does huh? the bird have a hat on? No, that's a that's a, an owl's head. It, like it, oh, it actually, well, you're you're uh, there's a clear wall behind you, so it, I couldn't see the top of the owl's oh, okay. finish. There we go. Yeah, very cool. All right, we'll put a picture of that on our website, and you can check out John's owl bolo tie. Yeah, don't expect to see it in person. I think I'm it was curious more of a, uh, in like that uh, antique road show if they would say what value that thing has. I wonder, and and really, I wouldn't have bought it because why buy something you're not going to wear all that often? But it was so unique looking. Yeah, and you, you've all, all grown up. You've said there's no such thing as a once in a lifetime opportunity. Don't make an impulse purchase because there's no such thing. Yeah, as a once in a lifetime. And yet there was. There, there was. Really I, was. I was never going to see. Something what like did this you again. pay for said bolo tie? Uh, t- under twenty bucks, I think between fifteen Ooh. and twenty. I don't remember. Ooh, that's pricey. Yeah, well, uh, we, me and Lindsay, have a uh, a personal spending money allowance every month that we budget for. So How much was, is uh, your allowance per month? Forty five a month. Oh, and you used half of it on this owl. That's pretty. That that's that's a statement that it meant that much to you. They grabbed you. Yeah, but you know how I am with my spending money. I hoard that stuff. I'm, you I'm do at a pretty. I'm at a pretty hefty <laughs> sum right now. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, let's do our commercial. We'll come right back. Okay. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content, as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back. Thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, supporting us with your listening. And uh, tell a friend, share an episode, maybe go back through our episodes and find your favorite. 
Um, there are definitely, based on listenings, there are some favorite episodes. Yeah, there are um, some, uh, by our standards, viral episodes, not not by anyone else's. But Right, right. So go back, find your favorite episode, send it to a friend, or just recommend it to a friend. We really are grateful. Thank you, guys. Yeah. All right, so we're talking about uh, sin management versus transformation. And Colossians chapter 3, John, the first, oh, four or five verses, um, really, I think, talk about this subject in a way that might sum this up for us. And so I want to read it to you. You tell me what it means to you, and then we'll start rolling towards uh uh, major takeaways okay so all right it says uh, since then you've been raised with christ set your hearts on things above now that's a different thing than a mind so mm. we have our mind and we have the holy spirit now we're talking about our hearts set your hearts on things above where christ is seated at the right hand of god set your minds on things above not on earthly things for you died this is my favorite phrase and your life is now hidden with christ in god when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So this is an amazing thing. This is like a theological reality. Your life, you died, that's part of your transformation, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. What does that make you think? Um, I guess it's, to put it in like the really cheap um you know, earthly way. It's delayed gratification. Mm. Uh, it is, uh, it is, I've put my life in the bank and at the end I'm going to, I'm going to pull it out with interest Ooh. and it's going to be, it's going to be hefty. It's going to be, you know, better than it would have been a greater, uh, identity than it would have been if I had held on the whole time. So you're investing. And that basically. totally makes sense with Thessalonians. It talks about this body is sown in weakness, but it is raised in glory. Yeah. It, you know, it is sown a broken body, but is raised an immortal body. And that certainly makes sense. That's a great metaphor, John. Yeah. And, and the, uh, I meant to actually, uh, mention this earlier and I've forgotten, but the, the idea of death to self, that's, mm-hmm. um, been helpful to me because it's not, um, it's not, how do I, the whole motivations are changed for sin management. It's not that you are trying to be the best you. Mm. It's that you, uh, uh, you're dead. You know, you're, you're, you're doing this right. for God, uh, because, because he is the, um, he is your resurrection. You're, you're, you're back to life with, I'm, I'm stepping over myself, but, well, but the I idea think, of, of, of loss of, um, that you don't need to feed yourself anymore. You don't need to scratch your own itches anymore because mm. your urges are, are put to, put to the, to, to the grave. Yeah. I love that. It made me think too while you were talking that that grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning, mm. and so when you when you sin manage to earn God's approval, you're stuck in this trap loop. But when you sin manage as an effort to let the grace of God have its full work in your life, that's a different thing. Because sure. it's interesting, you know, those verses there. Um, we set our mind, we set our heart. And then we recognize that our life is now hidden with Christ and God. Then the next verse, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And so there is a put to death effort. So there is a sin management effort. I think that's my big takeaway from this whole conversation is uh, that uh, you'll never be so transformed until heaven that you don't have to still sin manage. Yeah. And or else, so, I mean, or else, what would you need? You know, you still in in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. You know, it's it's you're never going to be not reliant on the on the strength of God. You're never not going to need him, right? Yeah, yeah. So, John, I'm curious with this whole conversation of sin management and transformation, the mind, the heart, the spirit. What's your biggest takeaway from the conversation? It's it's tough because if we were if this was like a Hallmark special right at the end, I'm, I'm solved. I'm done. You know, like I don't, I don't oh, have right, these issues right. anymore. And it, Conclusion. And is, yes, exactly. So this is a, a marathon, not a sprint. I'm going to be, yeah, I'll be having this conversation with myself or with you again, not long from now. Right. Um, uh, but my takeaways is the hope of it. I think I was actually probably pretty discouraged coming into the episode and remembering that, um, that really, really crazy, um, 
um, metamorphosis is is uh, not only possible; it is um, a pretty regular occurrence in the Bible and 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 outside the Bible, and and it's a uh, I don't know if I if I would qualify that as one of God's promises, but it's a reality of your relationship with God that mm-hmm. that if it follows its course, you that that hope of transformation is is included in yeah. that uh, in that trajectory. Yeah. So that's my big takeaway for for this conversation. So from discouragement to hope and yeah. and optimism, right, and of that, an ongoing uh, work and of things getting better and better and better. Yeah, and w- that episode we had about you know working out your salvation with fear and trembling is that yeah. it is the it's never promised that it is. Um, and and again, with some people, it is just the bam. It's like I'm I I got it. I'm cured of that sin, or I feel like some really dramatic conversion experiences where I'm I'm a I uh, well they're don't cured of with my with my friends anymore. My yeah, friends from, from my from my old life. Right. So you they're know, cured of a thing, but they're not cured of all things. No, no, I, I, it's true. It's true. But being raised in the church, I don't have a moment like that, you know, that right. I can really, really remember all that well. So um, just the recognition that it is a lifelong, um, you know, work. It is digging a ditch for your life, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long game for sure. Yeah. What about you? Takeaways for you. I think, uh, I think for me, my as we kept processing this stuff i think for me it's the it's the merge merger merging <laughs> of my heart my mind and the holy spirit as those mm-hmm. merge together when they're in alignment you know i feel more transformed and i fight less fights and i uh enjoy my state of being and when they're not aligned, if my mind ventures off or my heart craves or I've squelched the activity of the spirit in my life, I'm in trouble. And so gotcha. uh, I think for me, the alignment of those three streams is maybe the secret sauce for me. Like the Ghostbusters. What, what, oh, at the they end. They cross the streams that are fighting the, the marshmallow man. Stay puffed. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. Not helpful for me, John. That's funny. Just think of the, those rays. One is the Holy Spirit. One yeah. is your mind. One yeah. is your heart. And you got to. Well, all I can think of is that stupid actor, the, the you know, the young guy who is the gatekeeper. I am the gatekeeper. Oh, uh, Rick Moranis. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I, so you lost me with the image because all I can see is Rick Moranis and. We should be uh, thinking of Dan Aykroyd and uh, uh, Bill Murray. Yeah, and, not helpful either. Okay, right. <laughs> I, I feel like a spiritual Dan Aykroyd or Bill Murray a lot. So uh, I'm hoping for a better target or a better a better yeah. aim. Maybe a spiritual Tom Hanks. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Hey. Uh, we want to thank you for listening and being a part of this episode with us. I want to encourage you to visit our website, jimandjohn.com, and that is no H in the John. Um, what else, John? Uh, you can find us on social media, uh, mostly Instagram, Instagram at Jim and John. Mm-hmm. Uh, never an H in the John. Um, we have been slow to posting the show and tell. So I will get those uh, on a blog post and on Instagram, either on our story or a, a post. Um, and please feedback on the new segment. If, if you feel like it takes out the momentum or if you really enjoy it, uh, yeah, helpful, distracting, way. whatever. Yeah. And as always, we'd love feedback on episodes we've had and suggestions for conversations you'd like us to have. We would love to respond to those as well. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Have a wonderful day. 